Welcome back to the Character Corner. This is your host, Chris and Deepom here. And uh, we're here to do part two of our History of Comic Books, a uh, little Character Corner. We're talking about uh, this one. We're talking about the Bronze Age and the Modern Age. And we're going to break out. We're, we're going to break up the Modern Age and we're going to we're going to kind of break it out into two more ages after that, because uh, the modern. So the, the Bronze Age runs from 1970 to 1985. Um, and then the Modern Age is supposed to go from 1985 to like now, which doesn't make a lot of sense when you look at some of the things that have happened in comic books during that time. It just I feel like people just got lazy and stopped breaking them out. Um, but uh, there's there's definitely uh, at least two more ages you can break out um, uh, the modern age into. And we're going to do that. Um, <clears throat> but we're going to jump right into this for um, this character corner. I mean, we, we pretty much left off talking about, you know, uh, the end of, around the end of the Silver Age with them. Uh, Silver Age is really Marvel. I mean, not to say DC didn't do anything. They they did. They did a lot, you know. And you had things outside of comic books for for, for um, DC that worked out, like you know, Superman the movie was a. Big, actually, no, that's actually coming into this next age. But they did they did a lot of, a lot of things coming in uh, with uh, their Silver Age. But the 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 Marvel really kind of blew up under understandably, and and we we kind of went through that with what did we say? It was like. 10 characters in three years, 10, 10 major like characters or character teams in like three years. It was something ridiculous. Well, and like some ridiculous efficiency. Yeah, it is a ridiculous thing. And, and that continues <laughs> into the bronze age. And, and, and towards the end of that, we were starting to get more uh, diversity. We were getting uh, characters like T'Challa. We were getting, um, uh, we got John, uh, John Stewart over there at, uh, at, uh, um, on DC. Um, but the, the thing that really, uh, to me, <clears throat> and so you could actually kind of say around that time, I, I wouldn't even be a, a, a opposed to saying that the, the Silver Age kind of ended around 67, 68, you know, because you were right. starting to get, you were starting to get more real comics, you know, you were starting to get things that really started representing the world outside your window, not just at Marvel, but at DC as well. Um, but uh, the the traditional look is around the 1970s and uh you you have i think there's two two books that really stand out the most that, that really represent this time um the first would be um and we'll kind of come back into this but you, you have denny o'neill and, and neil adams green green lantern green arrow book that Man. they they bring them together and, and we covered this when we when we did green lantern um and it's i don't think they called it hard traveling heroes at the time but that's literally what that that run has you know become known as because both of those books were kind of not doing really good in sales, and they basically right. said, "Well, they got green. He got green in his name. He's got green in his name. Put them together." <laughs> Which, you know, on paper that doesn't sound like you know you have you have a space cop and then you have like a a bleeding bleeding heart liberal, <laughs> uh, working together. Um, but the book really, you know. It, it it was grounding. It it, it it was something that you don't really see from DC Comics at the time, and um, it it leads into uh, I can't I don't have the exact date on it and the exact number, but uh, Snowbirds Don't Fly, which ends up having uh, you know Speedy on the cover, um, injecting heroin, which is also notable because it was one of the first modern comics to eschew the comic strip authority. Yes, well, and yeah. They took the. I mean, that's one of the first comics that doesn't have. It doesn't have it on the the cover. Yep. Because DC decided they needed to tell the story outside of the auspices of the Comics Code Authority, and 
this was kind of the signal to other writers that, yo, you can tell more mature stories, which in my opinion, got a little the fuck out of hand. Oh, it did. It, we're we're going to get to that. So it was, uh, it was September 1971 and it was, uh, mm-hmm. it was, uh, the green, green, uh, lantern, green arrow book number 85 and 86 that literally, you know, and we talked about this before we're not getting into this, but there is a book that happened before then again, just like with everything else, Marvel kind of beat them to the punch with this and finding out the story right. behind amazing Spider-Man. So 96 or 97, the green goblin live storyline. It, um, it was, I had it here on my notes. It was, I'm missing. It. Oh yeah. Greenland, uh, green, uh, amazing Spider-Man 96, 99. Um, so it's not as like direct as uh, as Snowbirds doesn't don't, don't fly, but this is actually the first book that does not actually they did not put the Comic Code Authority on the cover, <clears throat> and it sold, and that's what kind of led to other publications not sometimes not putting the Comic Code Authority on their book, or uh, and it actually the biggest thing was it led to the Comic Code Authority actually changing some of their rules because basically what happened was. Um, the Nixon administration basically came to San Lee and was like, hey, you know, these kids like your comic books here and, you know, drug culture in America now. Maybe you guys should do a, a anti-drug book about with Spider-Man and Stanley, you know, didn't tell them to go fuck themselves. Basically, like, I'm not just I'm not going to just tell a whole like, you know, PSA don't do drug storyline. So he kind of folds it into the background of the return of the Green Goblin. And uh, there's there there's one with a uh, I think 96 is the one that has. The, uh, the 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 drug addict who's 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 being attended to by the cops and the cops are saying Spider Man's getting away, but um, the larger thing in there is that uh, Harry Osborn's addicted to pills, yeah, and that's in there and that storyline in there, um, and it was originally rejected by the Comic Code Authority because they're like you can't do this, you can't show <laughs> drug use in the books, and Stan Lee and them was like, but the government is literally asking us to do the story, and. Marvel, uh, Stan Lee and Martin Goodman are basically like, fuck it, we'll release it without the without the Comic Code Authority and see what happens. And it still sold. Still sold. Yeah. And so you get this idea of uh, two things. One, that the Comic Code Authority isn't really an authority because it can't stop a book from actually being published. <laughs> <laughs> so it's this whole this whole idea that we have, we, you know, we're making the rules, but you don't have to follow the rules if you don't really want to. Um, comic Code suggestions. Right, right. Just <laughs> a strongly worded Comic Code suggestion. Um, and then again, later on, you get this uh, Green, Green Lantern, Green uh, Arrow book, like, you know, uh, shortly after that, with, you know, literally, you know, Speedy, aptly named Speedy, injecting heroin into his arms. And again, mm-hmm. doesn't have the Comic Code Authority on the cover. So, um, both of these, actually, no, it actually does have the Comic Code Authority on the cover. Because what happened was, they, um, they changed the code. They they change the mm. code. They they so they make so they made certain changes in the codes. I forgot that book does actually have the Comic Code Authority on it. The Amazing Spider-Man one doesn't. And so what happens after Amazing Spider-Man comes out, the the Comic Code Authority relaxes some of its rules. It relaxes uh, re, it, it relaxes some of its rules on uh, showing um, uh, showing drug use uh, on on certain sexual situations. And a big one, because this leads to another explosion in, in new character creation, or return, or either returning characters or new character creations, monsters. Because that was one of the bigger 
like dumb things of the Comic Code Authority was super the, dumb. It was so stupid. Like you could not. We we talked about this last last time with you know Marv Wolfman had to have his full name put on there. They had to fight over to have his name on the cover because they're like, oh no, you can't have a Wolfman on the cover. It's like, but that's his actual. That's his actual uh, name. It's not. So you couldn't show monsters. You couldn't show Dracula. You couldn't show vampires. You couldn't show zombies. You couldn't show you know uh, 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 werewolves and things like that. It, it, it made no sense. At all in any of that stuff. So, with the release of uh, the Amazing Spider-Man '96 uh, through '99, I think it was '99. Wherever the three issues, '96 through '98, you don't. Um, and and it is sold without the Comic Code Authority. Comic Code Authority basically goes, well, uh, if uh, we don't change our rules, nobody really is going to keep our stamp on there because it doesn't matter. So, because that Green Lantern and Green Arrow book is really an anti-drug book. And it's not like promoting the use of drug use, but actually condemning it. It actually has the Comic Code Authority on it, so it's 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 a very interesting uh, uh, thing for it. And but like you said, I, I feel like as you go through, uh, particularly this Bronze Age and, the, and, and this, this this Bronze Age, and actually definitely when you get into the beginning of the Modern Age, people get a little out of hand with it. Yeah, yeah. yeah just it, uh, it, it's it's. Uh... Give the Europe on me, cowboy, Gus. Like it's, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it gets out of hand. Yeah, just, just, a, just a little bit. Gets, gets a little bit out of hand. And you kind of a little bit go a little bit, uh, a little bit too far, you know, with it. Um, but uh, it's, uh, it's definitely a, um, it's definitely, a, a, it was definitely good because then that helps you get, uh, you, you, you get things like uh, blade. Uh, Blade gets right. created in you get again. You, um, um, uh, Morbius. You get Morbius creation. Mm-hmm. You get you get all these things now because you know the Comic Code Authority has now relaxed this uh, this um, this rule on showing monsters and what kind of monsters can be shown. You can do things like that. You also get you you now also get combos can actually speak more to things that are happening at the time. Because again, at the time, you know, you're coming out of the sixties, you're going into the seventies. You know, drugs are a thing, and if you have comic book characters and they're not talking about things like drugs, they're not talking about things like crime and things like that. I mean, this is also around the same time you get the Punisher created. You know, you you right. get a character like the Punisher was literally, you know, Marvel's housed in New York, and in that time, crime and 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 violence in New York is is a is a front page issue. So now you create a character that is literally you know, taking on crime, <laughs> albeit he's fucking nuts. Um, it becomes a, a thing that you, people that are reading can relate to. And uh, I think that was a really important thing for, for, for comics. Well, it's interesting because Punisher started out as a Spider-Man villain. It was kind of, oh, we're dealing with a lot of the crime stuff, but we wanted to show Marvel was using, Jerry Collins specifically was using Punisher as kind of a juxtaposition as why I for I didn't work. Because people were trash, they latched onto the character and became something of a hero, but still. Right. Um, in 1973, again, going with this idea of pushing the envelope and doing things, um, and another book that it this does it does have the Comic Code Authority on it, but it was a it was a big deal. Um, the Death of Gwen Stacy, <clears throat> and Amazing yeah. Spider-Man uh, 121 and 122. I mean, because again, this is another thing where you you've you've had death before, but like this is Spider-Man's girlfriend. Right. It's not a background character. It's not a um, it's not set piece. It's a main fucking facts, facts in the book. Right. 
Right. And, and again, it marked a, a huge shift. So I, I really, uh, so I, I, I totally get why people do set the 1970s. Like I, I get your point too. When we talk about this, about putting like in, infinite, uh, infinite crisis and, and even secret war. So they're both around the same time, but that makes a good ending for the bronze age. The good beginning is that 1970s because it, it's one, you get, you get the comic code authority changing within leads to a whole fresh, um, uh, intake of new characters, and I and I always feel I I, I look I, when you look at the different ages and how they create, there always is that right. There's always this push of some new characters that end up sticking, uh, and it's usually a, re, a response to something. And here you have a response to, you know, the Comic Code Authority releasing their um, re- releasing their, uh, their relaxing their codes, and and um. Comic creators didn't waste any time, <laughs> especially Marvel. Marvel, no. Marvel, Marvel just, wasted none. It's like his characters waiting. Right? They really did. Well, you got. We also got to remember. And I, I, I always forget this. A lot of these writers on on both sides, from DC and Marvel, they were they they're still they they were from that era of writing pulps. They were writing the horror pulps. They were writing the the um the mystery novels and the mystery pulps and things like that. They came from that era, and then were told we can no longer do it anymore. You know, you had books like, you know, Tales of Mystery and, and Tales of Suspense and all these things, which were really, you know, before they were comic books, were these ideas or came from writing about uh, werewolves and vampires and, and detective stories and all these other things. So when you relax that, that comic code and you say, okay, you guys can bring back some, some, some drug use here, you, that brings back in some of your detective stories. You can say... You can bring back some sexual uh, sexual situations here. Oh, that brings in your romance books because people forget right. Dan Lee had been writing some some of the romance pulps and and, and and comic strips and things like that. You know, you bring back monsters. It's like okay, well, shit. Now I can bring back the monsters I've been writing about and, and and we were doing. I no longer have to try to find creative ways to get around that. It's it's so interesting to watch how this happened, kind of like you said, in a rush, like in the seventies. But as we got older, as we talk about the more modern books. They phased out certain things like Wolverine doesn't smoke cigars anymore. Yeah, <laughs> Gambit used to co- yeah, Gambit used to be a chain smoker. Yeah, and the comics, the creators themselves were like, mm, we shouldn't do that anymore. So it's interesting to see how kind of things find their own equilibrium. Well, it's yeah, it's that funny thing of I think that it's one thing. It, it, it just like I guess the kids they were kind of reach out to. It's one thing to come to the realization that things need to mature and things things are not good and do it yourself. It's another when you're basically being forced by some, you know, some outside authority that doesn't really have stake in any of the game anyway. Because you got to remember the whole the whole fear that the comic code authority had on everybody was you had to submit your books, and if it didn't have the stamp on it, then maybe publishers or distributors wouldn't take your book and distribute it out there. So when Amazing Spider-Man comes out and doesn't have the code on it, and it's still sold, then it's like. Well then, fuck! What are we putting this shit on the covers? What are we doing this for? Let us be. Let us as creators decide which stories we want to tell and how we want to portray these things. And like you said, it it can be. It, 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 and we'll definitely get into this when we talk about the modern age and we get into things like the creation image. Um, it, 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 <laughs> there, there are. I'm trying to find a good way to say this because. That was the meanest way you could have put that. <laughs> really that exactly what I was thinking. But I was like, I wonder how you're going to clean this up. Oh, he's not going to clean it up. Clean, I can't clean this up. Because it's like, you know, everybody loves freedom, but like, you gotta, you, you gotta put that work in there. And, and, and sometimes, like, a lot of the time, he's like, sometimes, you know what? They had a point. 
You know, sometimes, you know, the editors, they had a point. Sometimes the Comic-Con Authority had a point. Some of the stuff was stupid, but um, maybe we shouldn't shove girl, uh, shove uh, the girlfriends of uh, superheroes in the refrigerators. You know, it's just like there's a balance here that needs to happen. Um, and I'm not saying the Comic-Con Authority was necessary. So clearly it, right. it was ridiculous. And I and that's the other thing, too. I think as a as a concept and idea, I think the Comic-Con Authority has a broad idea made sense we want to have a certain level of standards so that we don't just have any so that when you pick up that comic book you know you're not going to get like you know uh 10 pages of of rape that your kid's reading reading it makes sense but the actual way in which the comic code authority enforced and used its rules just didn't make any fucking sense. Like we told the story last week, uh, last time about you know how uh, Stanley do, was doing like some Western book and he had a puff of smoke and they got uh, with a gun and a bullet and they're coming out. They were more mad at the pu- how big the puff of smoke was, not the actual act of violence and shooting the gun and the bullet coming out. It's like it just didn't. The Comic Code Authority didn't make any sense. Like it, it, it just didn't. Um, so. Uh, continuing this over here, with we, we, we'll talk about Marvel here. Um, because, and, and, and if you're wondering why we're talking about Marvel, because it's around this time that, you know, we get Marvel for the first time taking over a DC and market share. And I haven't seen all that, but I'm pretty sure they never relinquished that, did they? There was ups and downs and back and forth, but as far as like large scale patterns now. I mean, and... When you again, when you look into the run of what they did, it makes sense, you know, because again, they were using these characters that were, you know, the world outside your window. They were, they, they were, they were grounded. You, you get something like X Men uh, Giant Size Number One that comes out in May nineteen seventy five, which it, it's one of those things that we we look at the X Men now and we go, oh man, the X Men always sold, and they weren't, they weren't the number one X-Men seller. Got canceled. Yeah, it got canceled. Um. And so uh, Gil Kane and, and Dave Cochran uh, do X-Men Giant Size number one. And it was idea to bring back the X-Men. And let's, you know what, let's make a team that's more international because apparently the X-Men sales are doing better internationally. So let's make a team that has more international characters. Let's bring them in. And um, that book sold. And yeah. the X-Men never looked back. Because shortly after that, they they bring on this guy. You might have heard of him, uh, Chris Claremont. Um, he only wrote the X Men for like seventeen years. He's okay. I, he's, yeah, he's fine. He's okay guy. You know, seventeen years. Like it, it the, the and 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 starting with X Men Giant Size Number One. That is probably going to be your idea of the X-Men when you think of the X-Men. If you're in our age group or even a little bit, you know, older than us, when you think of the X-Men, you're thinking of the team that starts forming after X-Men Giant Size number one. You know? You're thinking of, of, of the pride of the X-Men, the big cabinet arcade game. Yeah. With yeah. Australian Wolverine for no good reason. <laughs> yeah. never not be funny to me. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I was again going back to the books I was I've been reading about this. Uh, I've been well, not reading, listening to on, on Audible. Uh, it was so funny when they were talking about how they came up with the team, and apparently they came up with the team before Marvel gave them an answer on who, what, what countries they wanted to uh, to focus on. Because the whole idea with this was let's create a, let's create an international team and focus on the markets of which you know uh, X Men are selling. 
So it's like, okay, in order to do that, tell me what countries we're selling in so we can actually create the characters to fit those teams. And they didn't do it. So they, they didn't get the name, so they just started creating the, the team we get. And, um, again, the X-Men don't look back. And it becomes an instant seller. It becomes, you know... Wait, Chris, are you saying diversity sold even back then? Oh, yeah, it's weird, man. It's strange. It's a weird thing, right? It's a weird thing. I do my comics, Chris. It's just, it's just, it's so weird. Like, they diversified the team, and all of a sudden, X-Men started selling. <gasps> diversity doesn't sell, though, you know. It's a weird thing. You know, I... It is so funny when I'm when you're going through these ages and, and looking at the the, the the stuff that was talked about in the comics and stuff like that. To hear people say they want to get back to the time when when Polish under a comic again that Amazing Spider-Man uh, issues it was under the direction of like the government came to Stan Lee going like hey can you put an anti-drug message into the Spider-Man books and then and Stan Lee going yeah we can do that and it sold you know. Hard traveling heroes. While it didn't sell, and it did eventually get canceled after Snowbird, uh, soon after Snowbird, uh, Snowbird, Snowbird birds don't fly. It still is considered one of the you know a great run. Looking back at it, and that entire series is nothing but politics. <laughs> you you put a cop and a, and a bleeding art liberal together, and they're going around fixing the problems in the in the world. It's like in in the country, not even the world, in the country. Not even fix them, just kind of exposing hell to them. Right. It's like, that's all this was, guys. It's all it was, was was politics. It's all there in the 70s, right there in front of your face. What are you guys talking about? It doesn't make any fucking sense to me. Um, it's just so fucking crazy. It, absolutely in, insane. So at the same time, all this stuff is going on, uh, and we'll get back into the DC comics and things that they're doing here. Um, we, we have to talk about this because while it's not our comic book per se, um, I think it was... It, it was a huge step, and it's going to play a huge part when we get into some of the stuff that happens later in the modern age and the, the age after that. Um, Superman the movie. Um, and not just for it being, you know, a, you know, bringing a comic book character to um, to the big screen. Um, what it did for um, character rights and the, 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 the work to get... Uh, Joe Schuster and, and and Jerry Siegel's names on that on uh, to be credited as the 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 creators co-creators of Superman was big. It was huge. huge. It was it was, it was a hard fought battle. Very hard fought battle. Uh, it was uh it was uh was it Neil Adams and Jerry Robinson? I think I can't remember who who was who helped represent Joe Schuster and 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 Jerry Siegel in there, but um. It was it was very very big. It was it was it was such a big thing. It actually made the news that this fight mm-hmm. was going on because they used the idea of you know Mar- uh, DC is uh, and WB DC is putting money into this movie to make this movie, uh, and, and um, they don't want uh, they didn't want the bad press, and and you had uh, Jerry Siegel out here going like I'm no we you know. We, I don't. I hope the movie flops. I hope the movie fails because they're not giving me credit. They they stop putting our names on the on the comic books. We don't see any of that. And so, I want to say they end up getting like twenty thousand a year in medical coverage or things like that. They it was a huge win, not just off of the monetary side of it, but honestly, cause in, 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 and and this shows you. And I think this is definitely going to go into again when we talk about the the good things that would lead, led to you know 
uh, image being created and things like that, like character representation, character uh, uh, um, uh, uh, acknowledgement, like giving them credit for the work they did. A whole bunch of people are making money off of Superman. A whole bunch of people are making money off of this stuff. But the people that actually co-created this this book, you won't even put their names on the credits. <laughs> because that would admit that you that that it's not just whole and hardly from the cloth of DC back office. It's it's something that I have a problem with today about the way WB and DC treat creators. Mm-hmm. And um We'll talk about in the mailbag kind of the reshuffling that happened in uh, DC Publishing this past week, but it's not a small thing. Like these are all very big issues that matter. Yeah, yeah, and 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 there's things that that we still see today, and um and and it, it's so funny to me because you see people will talk about these issues. It was like, oh well, you know, this is new. They're just doing that. I'm like, no, they've been doing this from the beginning. Like this is this was like a. Because the, the character came out in 38. And so this movie, I want to say, I can't remember, I don't have the exact date of the lawsuit. I know the movie came out in 78. So just for, this is, let's just use the two dates of when the character was created and hit the pages of Action Comics number one and when the movie came out. That's 40 years. Hmm. It's a long ass 40 time. Years. 40 years. 40 years. And just so when the movie opens up, you can see co-created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster to fight. Like you shouldn't have to fight for that. You shouldn't, you, they shouldn't have had to, they, they really, really shouldn't have had to. Um, and so, yes, you know, Superman, the movie turned out to be a huge deal. It, it was, it was funny listening to this book to go into uh, who they were trying to go after for playing Superman <laughs> and how they eventually settled on Christopher Reeves and all this, all that is great. And again, the movie did, did huge things for, um, for DC. It, it really did. It, it, it did huge things for DC. It did huge things for the idea of comic movies, even though, uh, Marvel would not get into that and uh, not successfully be able to get into that until the late late nineties. Um, but to me, one of the biggest things when it comes to related to comic books is the fight that, Jerry Siegel and Joe Shuster had to do to get this. And the fact that, you know, Neil Adams and them had to help them do it, you know, basically say this is wrong. And the fact that even after that happened, you still had it happening, you know, because how long after that, before they started, they started recognizing Bill Finger. Still Bill like Finger's another, very recent. Yeah. It's still like another 30 years after that. Bill Finger's doing the same thing. They were just to get Bill Finger's recognition for all for not. And again, it's not just Batman, all the characters he helped create, you know, you do not have a DC Comics and some of these characters as you know them if you do if you do not have a Bill Finger. And it took so long to get his reckon him recognized for that, to get the created by, co-created by Bill Finger. Like this is not like you would think that once this 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 this, this decision was was with uh Superman happened, that they would have changed their their tune. And it didn't. And um yeah, it's kind of fucked up kind of fucked up yeah very much so i agree very fucked up actually um let's see also at dc at this time you had uh kirby jumps over to dc from from marvel so you get him uh in the new gods creating his uh <laughs> yeah kirby's crazy i say that in a good way not like a bad way but just yeah king kirby's crazy man yeah crazy uh but it also gets you the creation of uh dark side who actually is 
uh, stayed on, um, and you also get uh, the new gods. So you you get that you get that huge jump from Kirby leaving uh, Marvel over the DC, uh, basically because he you know wanted to you know wanted to be out from under uh, Stanley for a little bit of time. So you get that. Um, I'm trying to see if we got any some other things in here. Um, I'm waiting up to the the two books that the kind of for me in the Bronze Age. Uh, let's see. Oh, another big one here, licensing. Um, <clears throat> Marvel uh, hooked up with this little known movie. You guys might have heard of it. Um, Star Wars. Yep, sure. Did licensing and uh, wrote some wrote some wrote, wrote a few books. You know, I don't know um, if you guys have heard of Star Wars. It's you know, some people say it's a big deal, but you know, you might not have heard of it. Um, it's also good things like uh, you, you get toy companies coming in and trying to work with comic books. So you also get this is when you get Transformers, um, and, and I heard of that one and, and licensing with that. So um, all this stuff kind of happening in there, and and I I, I think that uh, licensing when a lot of the people, time when people think uh, comic books and licensing, they think of the horrible deals Marvel later on makes with <laughs> licensing their characters. There's also the idea of you know toy creators coming in and deciding to try to license uh, with, with with comic book creators, uh, comic book companies to write books that tie into their um, their toy lines. It didn't always work, at least not for the toy lines. I, and some sometimes I guess Transformers I think stands out because I guess it kind of did with that because you had the toys and you had the books. I'm not sure. I'm but, assuming, so the Transformers, the books came first. Tra- yeah. So. Um, well, it's, it's a weird thing because it's the same thing that happened with Secret Wars, and I didn't know this. Mm-hmm. I didn't know Secret Wars is basically, you know, a Mattel coming in and be like, "Hey, we want to sell Marvel toys, so uh, can you guys create a like a little promotional campaign for us?" That- and that way, you buy twelve toys to get the twelve issues. <laughs> it's kind of fucking brilliant. Hey, I mean, <laughs> it's not wrong. It, it's kind of brilliant. Um, you also get the direct market uh, market uh, direct sales market in comic book shops springing up over the place. And about as representing about seventy percent of sales now coming from comic book shops. I mean, you still get. I think it's still huge and something that we don't see today. Those comic book racks in in in, in grocery stores and and any store you went to, like that was still a huge, you know, entry point for a lot of us. You know, that was it was easier for to get your mom to buy you a comic book at you know uh, at, when you're standing in line and there's a comic rack sitting there beside the checkout thing than asking her to take you to the comic book store for for many of us. Um, but the springing up of comic books uh, stores in uh, in, in the '80s, I think, definitely took off because again, it took out um, it took out the middleman, it took out the middleman. Um, and that's and that's kind of the second wave of comic book explosions that made comics so accessible. Yeah, by putting them with toys that kids are going to buy anyway, by putting them in Walmart, by putting them in Target, by putting them in convenience stores. This is before a lot of the direct distribution kind of happened and limited where you can get comics, but. Spinner racks at gas stations were a godsend when I was a kid. Yeah. 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 No, um, you can spend so much, you can lose so much time in there. Like I, I, I know we sound like old men now talking to me. Oh, you don't know what it was like back in the day. It was three comics for a dollar. They had nothing to do with one another, but you got a good variety of what Marvel was offering you. Yeah. Yeah. You buy that three pack and you get like an Avengers crossover, uh, a Spider book, and an X book from like different years, man. Mm-hmm. But I was, but each one had something that you could grab onto as a reader. Yep, it was a low cost investment for your parents. And I am now bitching about the state of comic books. I'll stop, but still, 
Yeah, no, it, it was it was a like you said, it was a it was a good way of being. It's that first idea of being accessible to everybody. Because what's more accessible than you're already in line and there's a spinning rack of comics? And it worked for parents, too, because then your parents would literally leave you by the spinning rack and knowing that you would go nowhere. <laughs> like, that, that is something that... Everything I could want is right here. Yeah, it's just like you, they would leave you by either the spinning rack or uh, sometimes stores would have... And it was so weird because department stores would do this, right? I remember this. Department stores would do this where they would... Act, it's a department store, like, it's at a closed section, but there's still, like, a rack of comic books... Somewhere like in the boys section, which again, showing the yep. sexism there, always in the boys section. So literally, your parents. As a boy, drop... I appreciated it. No, no, as a boy, yeah, I definitely appreciate it because I could be left there while my mother. You know, and no one came over and be like it's not a, it's not a library. They, they knew why these comics were. They were yeah. here, so your parents could trust that you wouldn't go anywhere. And guess what? If I've got a rack of comics to read, you've got at least an hour or two. Yeah, yeah, no, it was like hey, little boy, little boy. Hey, hey, you want you want some candy? Can't you? I'm reading a comic book right here. Go, I am reading Superman. Go, Leave me alone. Yeah, go go away, creepy old man with the candy. Like, <laughs> no, you never had can, to wear. Can your candy create whatever I can imagine in my mind? No, then leaving my green lantern, you asshole. Yeah, I mean, it 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 it, it was that thing. It it was a it was a it 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 was a babysitter. <laughs> it was a babysitter. It was the it was the turn turn the Xbox on or turn, it'll hand your kid the tablet and and turn on YouTube or something like that and put it in front of them. Let them that's what it was. You could leave, you leave literally leave your kid there and they can read the comic books and 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 just be engrossed. Like you said for hours while the parent goes off and shops and does whatever and then come back it's time to go. Hey, can we get this? <laughs> you know and that was the thing. So yeah, that definitely um as another uh, another. Uh, thing in 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 the Bronze Age, I think it was a was a huge it's a huge thing, you know, and it was a, a that huge step into making sure we we make comic books for everyone. So, um, trying to think of anything else. Again, we we talked about the return of horror comics. Oh, the other thing talking about this this Marvel taking over the market share at this time is again just I think it also comes down to this is when you know. You can kind of say maybe a little bit before then, but this is really what did it to, for me. The pettiness between the two companies, like the way Marvel took over the market share, which is such an underhanded way. The the way they they came out, they uh, Martin Goodman basically said, "All right, cool, we're going to raise the price of the comic book from like twenty cents to twenty five cents, and then we're going to uh, double the pages, right?" So he does that, and they're still selling. So then DC does the same thing. So then Martin Goodman comes in and then lowers the price back down to twenty cents. And then halves the paces again while DC is stuck. And I'm just like, you fucking asshole. You guys are such an asshole for that. They're here to win. And that's the thing about this. Like, there's distinguished competition. There's like the marvelous boys down the street. It's all fun. It's all games. But what they realize in this era is that comics aren't growing. Mm -hmm. And we're selling in the same market. And we're competing with a world that's rapidly accelerating as far as options of distraction that aren't four color comic books mm -hmm. so game had to get played i'm not i'm not making excuses for marvel i'm not a positive marvel, but i see what they were looking at and without having the backing of a warner brothers who's owned dc since the 60s it's it's you have to be smarter faster and move quicker you have to if you're the little guy in business and you guys can think what you want about marvel today in 1984 they are the fucking little guy yeah no they were they were, 
I mean, it just, it, you know, they were. It was the little guy taking on, taking on, you know, it was David on David taking on Goliath. It, it really was. Um, so again, uh, some uh, going back to the horror characters. Uh, we had Blade. We also should have mentioned Swamp Thing. It was also created around that time. So, um, all right. So let's get into what I, I think represents the end, and it's. It's it, it's it's so funny. It's the end for for they, they they tie in really well. Even though each company did it on their own. Uh, on the DC side, you have, well let's let's do DC last. We'll do Crisis Infinite Earth last. Let's go into Marvel and Secret Wars, which basically was Mattel coming to Marvel and saying, "Hey, listen, we wanna we want a partnership with you guys and sell some sell some sell some toys. So we need you guys to do an event. So they decided to put together." Secret Wars, which brought all these characters and villains, not just the heroes, but the villains together as well. And um, that kind of led to, you know, Mattel giving some insight into, well, you guys need to modernize, uh, you know, uh, Dr. Doom's costume is too medieval. You got to modernize a little bit. Same thing with Tony Stark's and all this stuff to kind of, you know, whatever best to sell toys. And, I mean, we're going to, we know that this has been done since then. This is the first time that they Mm -hmm. directly anything... Like this was ever done, and we know that it hasn't always been successful. Uh, even before when, it, when things like this were tried, it you know, um, well, even here it's like it was more successful with the comic book than than the toys. They definitely sold more comic books than they sold toys. Um, but comic wise, it was it was the first time this was ever done, and, and it was hugely successful. And um, you're gonna always from this point on, you're always gonna see this marriage of. Whether it's toys, some kind of uh, other product, whether it's toys, movies, TV shows, something trying to tie into the comic books and saying, "Hey, see, this is gonna be a mutual beneficial thing where you sell, help us sell the toys, and we help you sell comic books, and it win- it's win-win for everybody." It doesn't always work out that way. <laughs> Definitely doesn't. Um, but yeah, that's what Secret Wars was, and Secret Wars I think ran was it eighty four to eighty five? Yeah, yeah, eighty four to eighty five. Um, and I love how they work Secret Wars into the books without yeah. them disrupting the books. DC, um, because every book was like, "Oh, things are changing." It's a year later. What happened in that year gap? Better go buy these toys. Yeah, yeah. All of a sudden, Spider Man's got a black suit. We covered that. We we covered that when we when we do when we did the Spider Man mm-hmm. Peter Parker. I was like, "Yeah, Spider Man just comes back into the regular." Co- if you're just, if you only were reading Spider Man, he comes back with a black suit. You're like, "What the fuck happened?" <laughs> You know, where that they're like, you better buy them fucking toys. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, again, it, it's smart, but it goes back to what you're saying. We're about to get into this. DC's approach instead is to always reboot. And and so I here's the thing. Crisis on Infinite Earths is I feel like they had to do something because it was getting out of hand. They they well, already wait, 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 so I, I see what you're saying that mm-hmm. they didn't have to. I don't. It okay. wasn't broke. This wasn't a huge line True. item on Warner Brothers. They could have stayed the course, but I think you're right. To keep up, they had to, and right. that and that in and of itself, making a decision to keep up, speaks to I think the leadership of DC at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, here's the thing: I think they had to do something. I don't think that. It for good or for bad, mostly for bad. I think hmm. this has become. 
I don't think when so when 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 George Perez and Marvel Wolfman did this, I don't think that their plan was that this is going to be the blueprint for how DC always moves forward. That any time that they get a problem, that they were going to do this. I I really do believe Wolfman and Perez really believe that they were trying to you know correct everything and 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 bring everything into one universe, one world. And leave it. And if it had been left there, I think Crisis on Infinite Earth does that job. You know, they kill off the Silver Age uh, Flash and, and Barry Allen, and then bring in Wally West, who takes over as a Flash. I'm like, there's nothing really wrong with that. You know, you 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 condense everything down, and you you get rid of all the the the, the multi Earths, and you create just one Earth, and you deal with one one set of continuity, one timeline. If DC had stayed that course. Um, and and every now and then maybe bring in like some of these other characters here and there, but not always try to uh, explain it all. I think it would have been fine. The problem is that I think they keep, keep going for they keep trying to explain it all, and at this point you can't. It it went from oh we're gonna white out everything and start over to what if we shake the edge sketch again? Yeah, and I think that that was part of it. Was part of it is that. DC was so reactive to kind of fan questions and fan uproar. Like we've seen other companies, Marvel, make decisions and tell the fan base, fucking keep up and ride along or walk away. We'll be fine. And DC is always like, oh, you miss you miss Jay Garrick? Well, every time they make a book, it's not selling that well. You really miss him. Okay, well, we'll bring him back to JSA, I guess. Oh, you miss Supergirl. Word? Because, no, I thought, I mean, they're saying they want Supergirl. Give them Supergirl. And because they're so reactive to fans saying, I'm not going to buy this, when in actuality, because they know the story, it tells you that they're fucking buying it, mm-hmm. that they just kind of say, oh, well, well, we'll shake the edge of schedule. We'll redraw those favorite pieces you like. They'll be a little different, but the same pieces. And that's the problem, well, is that they, they tried to serve every master. And without shading the whole podcast, I think what's happened in this post-dark um, dark metal universe with Scott Snyder and Helm is that they're saying, let us tell the fucking story. Mm-hmm. And some would say it's, it's legitimately 40 years too late. Well, yeah. I, 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 and I, I think this is why I, I, I think that Crisis on Infinite Earth, Earth, Earth uh, is, is a good ending point for the Bronze Age because mm-hmm. it, yeah. it really does... Like Secret Wars, like you said, Secret Wars comes back, and and Marvel keeps going with what it does, and and there's definitely some clear indications. But I think that going to the mar- the modern age, it, you see a definite shift, uh, a definitive shift over at DC that 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 leads to some of the choice later on, which down to the, which I think really kind of leads into some things we've talked about with their other properties when it comes to like their movies and their TV shows. Like we were just complaining about this on the era podcast. When we were talking about, they're just about the ghost initiative instead of using suicide squad. You're like, why would you do that? But then when you think back to what their what, what happened with the crisis on infinite earth, where it's like, Oh, this is a response to for all intents and purposes, some dude in the comment section, <laughs> like you're, it's why are you, why, why, why are you, why are you reacting to that? But you know what? It also got me thinking about why Marvel doesn't feel that way. And I'm like, because you know, you might have people write in the guy in the comment page, but they were writing to Stan Lee. And Stan Lee didn't give a shit. 
Stan Lee realized that. Like, fuck. Well, 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 why? Because Stan Lee realized that the angry dude in the in the in the in, in the comment section who's writing you in bought the book. He's buying more books than the guy who doesn't write. <laughs> right. If you if you're angrily writing in about because this is not like this is not like today, right? Where you got people who find other right. ways of getting these books, right? It's a different different thing. But but at that time. If you were writing into the the the, the Marvel bullpen, the bullpen building, it's also not like today because today it's a oh I made a comment on the message board, right? It was did you write a letter? Yes. Did you buy an envelope? Did you buy a stamp? Right. Did you address that letter? Right, right. Yo, you had to go I, through. I'm work. so mad. I don't care about your books anymore, motherfucker. You paid post. <laughs> you I'll... care at least. 27 cents or however much a stamp should be. See it. See you next month. See you next month. (laughs) Same bad time. Same bad time. You're not going anywhere. Right. So, but you're absolutely right. I I feel like, like, and that's why to me, I think Crisis on Infinite Earths, I think on one hand gets a, a bad rep because it set a bad precedent going forward, which is absolutely true. It, it absolutely did, and the way DC used it going forward, it used it as a it used it as a hammer when it should have been used as a scalpel, and and that led to a lot of the problems we see later on. Go ahead. Well, I'm just saying, well stated. Yeah, I and and then but on its own at that time, I think it works. Like to me, when you go back and read it, and it's just that time, it's like, okay, you guys are trying to like if this was their idea. Like you said, what what they're trying to do with the post uh, dark metal world today should have been done here. If if going forward after Crisis on Infinite Earth, they put all that story into place and like you know uh, this is eighty five, so I guess it ran to eighty six. So if you do all this, yeah, it ran to eighty uh, March eighty six. So if in 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 September of eighty six, they didn't start filling in the gaps and doing this and telling that story there. It would have worked, but the problem is DC does Crisis on Infinite Earth, and then it and then it goes and it basically okay, whole new world. Wait, guys, no, wait, no, that's not. You know this. Uh, so we get into the end of the Bronze Age. We then go into we talked about this before. We then go into uh, 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 them them changing all their characters. Batman is a perfect example of this. You know, we well, have, what happened with Batman, and particularly with I think even a lot of the characters was. In the tail end of the Bronze Age, we had Dark Knight Returns. We had well, Watchmen. Yeah, yes. These deconstructions of what a superhero could be. And so, whereas I think a lot of those fans were thinking, oh, DC will get more of straightforward heroics after Crisis, it was like, mm, what if we learned a lot of the wrong lessons? Like, what if we rolled, I don't know, the killing joke into continuity? And and so that, that ties into this commercialization of comics, comic publishers. Because, like you said, again, individually, the Dark Knight Returns. So the Dark Knight Returns is kind of like, and, and when I'm listening to this book, it, it it dawned on me that this is true. So before this, going back to Marvel real quick, they married they married MJ, MJ MJ and Spider Man get married, make a whole huge big deal. I didn't even know that they did this. They actually had models at uh, the uh, out at a um, and married some models off. They were looked like Peter Parker and, and and MJ at a Mets game, and they had uh, Stanley officiated and all this other stuff, right? So, you you marry MJ off to to, to Spider Man slash Peter Parker, and it makes sense, right? Because at this point, you've been following this Peter Parker, you've been following MJ. They've been boyfriend and girlfriend on and off for a while. It it was, it was the right move to make, 
But then it brings up this interesting question of, okay, so, you know, how do you keep your characters related to new audiences? If you've been following Spider, and I think this is one of the issues that, that Marvel does struggle with, and I think it's one of the answers that DC thinks they've answered, but they've only made a bigger mess of it is, all right, cool. You know, Peter Parker is now married with a wife and kid. If you've always been a Peter Parker fan, to you, that is makes sense but if you're new coming in, if you're a new kid coming in you're not going to be real how do you relate to grown-ass man and his wife now like what's what's that relationship but, here i don't think it's wrong I, no, I, 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 i've always seen that argument and i get that argument i understand that argument but at the same time why aren't the x-men in high school you know what i'm well, saying like i, I, I don't think I, that, I don't i don't buy it either I, here's the thing i don't buy yeah, the okay. argument i don't i don't buy that argument I see it because I also, I'm one of those, I'm a Stanley nerds. So every comic is someone's first comic, but no one's ever walked into a Spider-Man book. I don't care if you've never read a comic in your life and said, what's this Spider-Man character all about? That's why, that's why they brought back recap pages in the two thousands, the Marvels. Mm -hmm. That's why there's the blurb explaining the hero. Like it, it, it doesn't hold water to me. I'm sorry. You're right. It's just for me, it's never been a good enough answer. No, it, it, and, and it hasn't been because to me, it's like, all right, these characters have been around for a long. They're they're part of the collective conscience. Everybody knows who these characters are, um, and it's not like there aren't new characters that can fill that gap. There are plenty of other younger characters in them that can fill that gap. So to me, um, you know, this this uh, push to try to answer that question, they were answering. They were trying to answer a question that that wasn't really being asked by anybody legitimate, right? And and so you get something like the Dark Knight Returns, which been basically ages up a Batman to in his 60s, and it turns into this dark, gritty version of Batman, which, again, on its own, with all the, the, the Frank Millerisms that come with it, is fine. The problem I have when you look at what DC did with it and, 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 and what happens with it is it becomes a blueprint to get just so dark and gritty and that and because it sells that's it then becomes a need to do that over and over and over and over again and it's something that I, is why i laugh so much when i hear people defending the dcu is like we need something dark and gritty i'm like you guys don't understand this has been a thing since the 80s they tried it, <laughs> it they tried dark and gritty <laughs> and every book you can think of they tried it captain america got in the armor got armor so did daredevil mm-hmm like everyone tried dark and gritty, they to the point where the biggest event in the mid '90s that wasn't the death of Superman was the breaking of Batman. And what did they do for a year? They made fun of your obsession with dark and gritty. Mm -hmm. They mocked it openly. Yeah, yeah. It's like I said. I mean, there's no there, there's no saying that you know the Dark Knight Returns wasn't you know. A, 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 a an important book in comic book history and 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 and, and didn't sell. I mean, it, obviously it did. It was it was it was a huge thing. It's just this thing of everything became. We got to. It, it became this deconstruction of comic book heroes, which, like you said, deconstruction of comic book heroes works, but you also got to make sure you construct them first. <laughs> and and so I I, I think sure. that even so so in the eighties. The Dark Knight Return works because you were you you've literally been having you know six six Batman running around. You've had this you've had these characters around here dealing with all this stuff, 
and you're like you're taking this out of continuity and you're saying okay you had these batman stories you've seen this what if he told you this other story and i think this is where i think dc if they if they if they stop trying every time they stop trying to connect everything i think them telling these stories works this worked for them you know we we see this when they start doing uh the imprints when you get vertigo comics you get uh neil uh you get um alan moore's v vendetta you get watchmen which became another huge thing watchmen is nothing but deconstruction of heroes superheroes right all that stuff works but it works because it's not in continuity and so when you start trying to put them into continuity, Doomsday Clock, you 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 cause problems because you take away what you the original me- problem. Nece- unnecessarily messy. You know? So when you go and do things like movies, like in in the in the two thousands, in in like twenty fifteen, and you're basing your character off of the Dark Knight Returns character, which was literally not supposed to be based off of that because it is a deconstruction of what Batman is, you're going to cause fucking problems. Tell him why you're mad at him. It's just what it is. Like I said, it just... I. It, it worked at that time. It works in the eighties. It works in the eighties. You're in you're in the Reagan administration, right? You're dealing you're 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 seeing this up around you. This dark and gritty stuff works at that point. Like Watchmen works at that point. You know, because of what the Watchmen Watchmen also funny because it's the Charlton characters that they bought that they remade and tell this this yeah. deconstruction. Yeah. It is. I've always thought that was really interesting. Yeah, it's hilarious. Yeah. So you know, um it, and then became this thing of we gotta we, we gotta do uh the um the other thing too because uh you know Frank Miller does the Dark Knight Returns, he also does Batman Year One. And again, we've talked about these books. You know, Year One gets you know gets realistic. You know, it's it's, it's dark and gritty. It's 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 it, it feels real. But again, when you start bringing your characters that are superheroes into realism, you start getting some fucking problems because it's like you. you, you if you the whole idea was to blur the line between and again i don't think that some of these characters were ever meant especially on the dc side were really meant to represent that world outside your window character like batman is not the world outside your window right <laughs> he's not no. superman is not the world outside your window these characters never meant to be that so when you try to bring them into that kind of fold and then then you add in realism on top of that you're going to cause problems but i just found it interesting lots of hmm? lots of problems yeah well, I just find it interesting that these are things that happened in the '80s, and then here we are in the you know 2015 to 2019 doing the same thing. I'm like, guys, you guys tried this in the '80s, like the '80s were the same 80s. mistakes. <laughs> they, well, at the time they weren't mistakes because it was the '80s. <laughs> you but know, now that you have retrospect, like you can walk into education educated and realize, oh, this isn't going to work. Yeah, yeah, this not this isn't, this is maybe not the smartest thing to do. So. um yeah, um, and 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 I think during th- this modern age, which, so w- what did you? This is a good point because this will kind of go over how we go the rest of this. What is your end date for the modern age? Civil War. Civil War. Yeah, it was kind of for me. It was. It was. It was. It, was, it, it went over. We're fighting over. Not fighting over good and evil anymore. We're fighting about ideas. Hmm. And that kind of grew up comic books because out of Civil War you get, um, and we talked. We, I, I just shared an article about this in the uh, 
MCR Facebook group this week, identity crisis, which is the first time that DC used the word crisis since 84. But for me, it was now we're talking about an idea because the, the core of identity crisis isn't the murder mystery. It isn't the, it isn't what happened to Gene Loring. It isn't what happened to Sue. It's the, the crux of it is what makes you a hero? Mm. Because the idea that they were mind-wiping villains is kind of the central conceit. And the, the, it's the, 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 the secret in the closet that comes back to bite them. And it casts, and this is something else that's indicative of the modern age is that it starts to cast a, um, a pall over the Silver Age story that seems so gentle. Like those times where the supervillains would learn the superheroes' ID identities. Each time that happens, Zantana was called in to wipe their minds. Mm-hmm. And what happens if you say, don't just let their minds change something, take something away from them? Why was Dr. Light a Justice League villain, then all of a sudden getting beat up by the kids in the, the Teen Titans? They gave you an answer to that. And so for me, it was the modern, the, I guess, the, from, from, you know, the, the, from post Bronze Age to modern age of being 85 to 2000, 2001. And then from now we're in the age of, I almost call it the age of the house of ideas because so much of it has been about mining the history to find new things for the present. It's about the return of Bucky. It's about the idea that they brought back Gwen Stacy fucking twice now. And now she's being brought back a third time as her own independent character as a spider woman. It's the idea that um, these off-brand stories where Batman had a kid. Guess what? Batman does have a kid now. He's a 10 year old and he's fucking Robin. Like, <laughs> The idea that oh Superman could have a kid. Superman does have a kid now. His name's John. He's kind of cool. Like it's it's this. What's happened is the nerds, you, me, kids before us, they're writing these books now. Mm-hmm. And they didn't. There's no comic book school. So what they did was they took this education, this liberal arts education, that's taken over the country, which I think is a good thing because liberal arts education teaches you to, to argue basically anything. Mm-hmm. And what they said is we're going to. Apply the classical teachings to the things, the archetypes that we love. That's why Tom King goes, serves his country in the CIA, goes back and writes comic books. They do the 10 year challenge or the, the eight year old challenge this week on Twitter. It said, Your eight year old you is looking, you're going to talk to your eight year old you. Are you doing the job you dreamed of when you were eight years old? And Tom King wrote back, um, Because everyone else is like, Oh, I want to be a paleontologist. Oh, I want to be a marine biologist. He's like, Well, I want to write comic books. <laughs> and I kind of, and I am, and he's winning awards for it because. He's taking the life experiences of a generation and everyone says, oh, millennials, millennials, by the way, are 40. Right, right. Like, so let's just demystify that one right now. Millennials are people born from 1980 to I believe it's 95. It's a 15-year gap. I'm a millennial. I'm 33. I own a home. Chris is building a new home. He's a millennial too. Yeah, like yeah. this. This isn't. You know, it's it's a, it's a, yeah, it's just a little side. I always find it funny when millennials that are our age. Be, be, like bemoan, like, that's not a millennial. We well, yeah, they bemoan <laughs> millennials. I'm like, guys, you're a millennial. You're talking about yeah, well, <laughs> the best. People were dumb. Um, anyway, it's like the, the craziest shit. Like they these these this generation of people who grew up on these big ideas and deconstructed superheroes. You got to remember that when we were born. Dark Knight Returns just dropped. Watchmen just dropped. We sure if we found them later, but that's kind of defining the era in which we were born into. And so people from that era, people who wrote the, read those things, who read Gaiman and Morrison, they're now writing their own books. Mm-hmm. And while they still love the superheroes that they were raised on, they're coming at them with a more mature lens. And that's why we've got the debates on who do you side with? Is it is 
the Cap versus Iron Man, even though it was written by a hack named Mark Millar, you obviously had to side with Cap because he turned Iron Man into a goddamn fascist. Um, <laughs> well, it even comes down to the, with, the, with, the scroll, with the secret invasion. That's one of the only things I loved about early 90s or early 2000s to mid 2000s. Marvel was that every every event built on something, to something else. Civil War, the House of M, to, to, to Secret Invasion. Who do you trust? That's not a comic book tagline. That's an existential crisis. That's a therapy. That's therapy. That's do you, Who do you trust in your life? Hmm. How do you trust them? You don't actually know what's going on in their head. How oh, do I trust them? Who do I trust? These are existential thoughts, given flesh, given form, in the shape of scrolls, but they're dealing with really high-concept shit. The, the thing I've been preaching about, the thing I keep harping on, this Justice League book by Scott Snyder, he's dealing with the forces of creation. He uses the words, the previous universe discovered the nature of reality and turned into a predatory one, devouring its predecessors. Excuse me? <laughs> That's some high comp. Jonathan fucking Hickman. This is all, this is where I would debate the last 20 years have transformed comic books from occasionally hitting the high art status to consistently saying the bar is now art. The bar isn't a bad Falcon book doing bad black exploitation voices over bad art. You can't sell that today. Yeah, no, it doesn't work. <clears throat> you can't sell Kamala without saying hey there's more behind this character than a flashy power set and and an interesting backstory there's a why behind the stories now and there always was a lot of stand stuff but there's sometimes there wasn't i remember i have a book where hydra man and sandman collided once and they became mud man and it's kind of fun and kind of weird but there were like three years of stories afterwards where one of those characters would pop up and be fucked up and be like i don't even know what happened to me like i I, I don't, I don't, are, are you wrestling? I don't, I think I am. I'm really messed up, man. Can you just get me help? It changed the way we look at comics because the nerds who read it are now in a position to write it and say, I bet I can do it better. And spoilers, guys, I know a lot of us are nostalgia freaks. A lot of the stuff today is a lot better. No, it is. I mean, it's, they, it, it, it builds on that. Like I said, we're we're gonna go back to because we 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 jumped over there. I, I really wanted to hear where we're we're deep on into this stuff because I, I was around the same time. I I and I had mine ending around like the two thousands because I got that shortly yeah. after the collapse at Marvel and the Marvel I think files for bankruptcy what ninety six. So yeah. I had it shortly after that, um, and then I actually break out another one in like twenty fifteen, basically calling the digital age where, and that's because that's basically the same year we did Secret Wars and I think Rebirth, which mm-hmm. you know. I, I'm 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 maybe getting ahead of myself here, but hoping that DC's idea for rebirth comes through where they finally, and again, sounds depending on where where you're looking at. If you don't look past at that doomsday book, but you look at some other stuff's going on, it seems like they're kind of trying to figure out a way to fix the mistakes they made previously, going all the way back to Christ on Infinite Earth. And then, like you said, with with what Marvel did with Secret Wars, and then come, uh, this new Secret Wars. Um, and then basically rebooting their their entire continuity, but not really. <clears throat> I mean, if we're gonna be honest here, let's be honest here. Secret Wars is basically what Crisis on Infinite Earth was trying to do, but because you have that 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 foresight of of what is it twenty thirty years of of knowledge of what not to do, right? It, it was done correctly, it you should. know. Helps. 
Because, I mean, because again, what Secret Wars is, Secret Wars is literally them taking all this stuff and then remaking the entire world and then still going, hey, you know what, though? Some of those things that we remade from before still exist. And yeah, it's going to be a, it also a larger happened, problem. But we're going to be able to massage our past and say it didn't happen exactly you remember it. Exactly. You know? It's 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 so funny. This is why it's so funny when I hear people talk about like X Men continuity and how it's a mess. And I'm like, yeah, it is. But have you been over the DC lately? <laughs> Boy, do we have a story to tell? Give you. me a give me a one page report on what is a Hawkman. Right. <laughs> exactly. Describe. Okay, you talk about a team being confusing. You go describe Hawkman in one page. See a double space. Good luck, kids. Yeah. So I, I basically had like the the new golden age, and I, I like your idea. I had to stop it at two thousand. But like I like your idea of saying it's like twenty two thousand four when you get like identity crisis and you get civil war in two thousand six like you said it's this idea version this this new golden age of ideas coming and making the ideas the story to build mm-hmm. off your universe off of and then like I said um, we're we're now into an age where I'm calling it the digital age because it's not picked up yet but we we get we're now getting books that are digital only. We're getting we're getting a shift in 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 how people were. It might not go anywhere, um, but it's right. definitely seeing a lot of people putting putting work behind that stuff. Anyway, let's go back to uh, what people consider the modern age, starting in, in eighty five, because there were some some things that definitely came up uh, during this time that I think were important. Important. Um, we already talked about Watchmen and this this birth of the graphic novel, which again I, I feel like the eighties, the Bronze Age, the early Bronze Age, is where you get this concept of a lot of like ideas and myths myths that persist today. The idea of the, the graphic novel and you getting people going, I don't read comic books. I'd read graphic novels. And I love that, that statement that Alan Moore's a crazy person. Don't get me wrong. But even he at one point points out, it's like, it's just them putting six to 12 comic book issues under one cover and then calling it a graphic novel, and now all the same people who didn't say they like comic books all of a sudden are lauding praise all over them. And I see that to today. People going, I don't read comic books. What do you read? I read graphic novels. Uh, so if or how many people do read comic books? I'm waiting for the trade. Right. Well, that's I get that one too. But at least they don't call it yeah, graphic novel. I, like I, graphic. I mean, I can understand it all, but I still don't have to like it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So you you get you 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 get this you get this push, and it, it, again, I think it was another big shift in the industry because again, when you go to the people that are waiting for trades, that that changes how you calculate how sales are doing on a book. Are people waiting for six to twelve months for all the issues to be collected into a trade before they buy it, or are they buying it month to month? Like, and how do you calculate this? How do you calculate the success of a book if you? If people have asked, this is why. We tell you to buy the bait, buy the books, because they, they're measuring things differently now. They have to. Mm-hmm. We've changed the paradigms. You got to, you got to change your spending habits to go with them. Sorry, it, I, I feel I need to say that. No, no, no. It, it's true, and it, but it's also this is also with you know tied into again the corporate structure of you know, the publishing companies that came back. You no longer do you have just a Stan Lee sitting there that you could you could run into in the in the elevator, or you could just write a letter to and. You know, and, and go from there. You have a whole corporate structure where comic books now are being. I mean, everything. Every, they were always meant to sell, but now it's like it's about hitting a bottom line. Um, and um, it works for 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 a good point. I mean, remember the, the number one selling comic book was nineteen ninety one X Men number one, seven point eight million copies. 
7.8 million copies. Like, I think the original run of Action Comics number one was a 200,000, it was 200,000 copies. 7.8 million copies. Now, <laughs> people didn't know at the time, this is going to kind of lead to, you know, the collapse of the comic book. Yes, this is going to break comics. This is going to be break comic books because uh, corporate structure people don't people didn't, a lot of people don't understand, you know, um, you know, supply and demand. So we'll get we'll get into that when we talk about like the death of Superman and just people, the speculator market and collector collector editions of comic books that sold seven point eight million copies that doesn't exist because if seven point eight million copies exist, is it really a collector's edition? Mm-hmm. Um, before we get there, we, we talked about it before. Let's talk about the creation of Image Comics. Um, 1992, seven artists split off. It, it was artists. I think it's important to point out. Uh, split off from Marvel <laughs> and DC. Uh, we talked about this before. We talked about this before. We've talked about this week up the Comics Gate. And not saying all these characters, these creators are fit into that Comics Gate. They, they don't. Um, some of them might, but not all of them do. Um, but it's just a weird thing with artists, and I don't know what it is. <laughs> What it is about art? It's always artists, right? It's always the artists that, that decide they have a big plan. So, um, seven artists split from Marvel and DC: it's Todd McFarlane, Jim Lee, uh, Mark Silvestri, uh, what was it? Um, Jim Valentino, Eric Larson, Rob Layfield, and I'm missing one. I can't remember who the other one is. Is it Will Portico or Portito? I can't remember. Yeah, um, it was Portito, yeah. Portito, and and okay. and with all due respect to all the gentlemen, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, okay. And I know there are listeners who are going to say, Deep Home, uh, uh, Image Comics to find my childhood, and that's fine. <laughs> and they had a real impact because they brought a. When Image came out, they brought like that paper quality and like the art quality that people weren't expecting to see out of comics. I'll be honest. So they, they were really um, leaders in that forefront. And they did, a, they did some damage to DC and Marvel because it took a lot of the top end artistic talent. Also force them to find new people, which is a whole it, other thing. It 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 um it, it literally did uh it could be it hit big news. It dropped Marvel shares dropped <laughs> like three percent because of this. Like, well, you it, remember the Marvel method was give the writer the outline, give the artist the outline, let them write around it, draw around it, and then some would say these artists became drunk with power and started a company. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the and again the, the the ideas behind Image I think last a day and they bore, bore out of some things that we've we, we've said before when it comes to like Joel Schuster Joe Schuster and, and Jerry Siegel getting credit and Bill Finger and things like that. It's like Image would not create you know, would not own any of the creator's work. The creator would, and no Image or partner right. would interfere creatively or financially with any partner's work. And Mister Silver would have no introductory property except for the company trademark, the image and the uh, the name and their their logo. That was it. Like. It it's it's a good idea, right? Also, no editor. Yeah, no editor. Because again, you're on. The, and and I've talked to I've talked to creators uh, today, like uh, Cullen Bunn and stuff like that, who work for like not just Image, but other things like um, Dark Horse and things like that. And like what the process is with them going through there. And again, these 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 third party publishers, these other publishers outside the big two, they give you a lot of. Uh, uh, of leeway you can you can go here and tell the story you've been dying to tell that you might not be able to tell anywhere else um just some of these original comments that came out from um 
image that were originally published under Malibu Comics, uh, uh, Liefeld's uh, Youngblood, uh, The Savage Dragon by Larson, uh, Spawn, that's obviously the big one, from uh, Todd McFarlane, and then Wildcats from, from Lee. I mean, this is, these Can are... Can also acknowledge that Youngblood was just his Teen Titans pitch? Yeah. It was just his Titans pitch. Like, include... Like, like that you can they're the same fucking characters. I'm, I'm yeah, no, it, it's clear. I mean, I feel so fucking lazy with this. He gave him a lot of the way he was so lazy. Yeah, I mean, I mean, look, look, look. <laughs> the thing that the, the book I was listening to it, it, it summed it up pre- pretty well because eventually, uh, this core seven uh breaks up. Image Comics obviously lives on, and we we get things like The Walking Dead. You get. Um, saga. You get things that I mean, and again, image image gets a big chunk of the sales that aren't DC and Marvel. But the the book <laughs> the book cover for you sums it up this way: is the reason why they didn't you didn't get this brain drain from Marvel, you didn't get this brain drain from DC when these seven again. Remember, it, we just said X Men number one with Jim Lee drew sold seven point eight million copies. So when you leave this, when you lose this guy the following year, you know, and m- mind you, Jim Lee wasn't also as antagonistic and, you know, as much of a problem as Todd McFarlane right. and some of the other guys either. Um, but when you lose this guy, people are going to go, oh, shit, what are you guys going to do now? Um, but, like, the book basically says, like, they wanted, you know, they wanted all the power but none of the responsibilities. <laughs> and, I was, and I was like, the shade in this book was so good about it because it, but, but, it, but it comes down to what it was it's like this sounds great but at the same time you do need you, you need somebody some of these guys might, maybe should have been told no <laughs> it's the theory that yeah it's the idea that people are most creative when there are no boundaries no no people are most creative when there are firm boundaries you have to work within those boundaries exactly you're not servicing a creative person by saying do what you want congratulations you allow them to do everything and therefore they will do nothing exceptionally well right and it's not to say that they weren't successful. I mean, some of these comics sold millions of copies in their, in their first issues. I mean, some of these People were. Paid huh? People paid to see Transformers movies. Yeah, I mean, but when it comes a long time, and we've seen this with Todd McFarlane. Look, I'm, look, Todd McFarlane is 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 a guy. <laughs> he is special. He has a lot of ideas, but sometimes you need him to. You need somebody to come out and tell him. Hey man, calm down. Like the director of Spawn, because <laughs> what he did with Spawn was great. I mean, what he did with Spawn, what he did with you know the the, the toys for Spawn and things like that. Like you cannot, I I do not want to downplay the importance of what Image Comics did. I mean, and it's not that we we got Image Comics, you got Milestone Comics. You know, in in in, in DC, I think it was smart to just bring them under DC later on. I mean, you, you had these things happen. You had imprints. You had, we, we, we mentioned the Vertigo imprint. You had um, the, it was the Epic imprint from, uh, from, from Marvel. And then you had the, the Marvel Max series, where you get, where you get more gritty. Because the idea was, like, I think what Image has become is great and needed. But I also look at what these guys, what the motivation behind a lot of these guys were, was basically like, we're not able to tell the, the, the gritty, violent ultra violent com- uh, stories you want to tell so we're gonna leave you guys and this is why and it's because they're holding us back instead of going well, maybe we should actually calm it down and also it becomes oh cool you told that violent story what next what do you mean what next exactly what's the next story 
<laughs> there is no. There's only violence. There is. There is no. There is no story. There's Did only you war. See the blood? That's the story. Right. <laughs> All right. Um. So let's talk about this the speculator market. So we can we can uh, wrap this up. Um. The death of Superman. Superman number seven five. You want you want to talk about your uh? You still have your armband? <laughs> I never bought. So I never bought it. <laughs> um, I literally at like ten years old was like, I'll wait for the trailer on that one. Um, look, for everyone who says, "Oh, they're just gonna read Captain America back," symbols didn't matter. Laura Kenny, oh, bring back Logan. Oh, oh, who is Ironheart? Hey guys, they once killed Superman, and you idiots bought armbands. It was on Good Morning America. It was they funeral for Superman was a real fucking thing. And then guess what? They gave you four Superman. Why? Because fuck you. That's why. They ran a year-long mystery to see who Superman would actually be. And the answer was comic books. Because it was none of them. It was a fifth unseen Superman, who was the actual Superman, who would get his powers back after Mongol destroyed Coast City and they wrecked Green Lantern. People forget Parallax is a direct result of the death of Superman. Mm -hmm. People who hate Kyle Rayner, not his fault. <laughs> it wasn't. It was DC editorial. And it's a very, I, if you don't know the story behind like the entire, like the way they rolled into, they oh. rolled Emerald Twilight into this, I invite you to go find those articles because they're very, very enlightening how combos work, work. And that's, to answer your question, not very well at all sometimes. Yo, the funny thing um, about it is when you think about the definition, you're like, oh, they did it to solve comic books. When you hear them, what they told us, like, it wasn't that. It's was like, they, it, it wasn't that. Like, there's so much beyond, beyond that. I mean, it ended up doing that. It ended up selling comics. So people were wrapped around the corner trying to buy hundreds of hundreds of copies of the Desert Su Superman and Superman right. seventy five because they thought that it was going to be a collective edition. But again, when you when you print millions and millions of copies of a comic book and sell them, it's no longer a comic. It's no longer something. Something inflation. Something. Something. Uh... Anyway, <laughs> what happened was people said, "Oh, these comic books that were older now worth something." So now the speculator market existed and you had people buying alternate covers and foil covers and hollow foil alternate variant hologram covers and different ways to do it and different ways to tell the story, which is all, I guess, fine and well and good. But what they did was they killed comic books. Because like Chris was saying, people were buying these books, but not because they were interested in the story. They're buying them for the one day, hopefully, that because Superman was actually dead this time. Wink, wink, nudge, fucking nudge. This is going to pay my kids way through college. One day, Clone Wars Omega will pop off, and I, your boy will never speak to any of you again. <laughs> Clone Saga Omega. Once that happens, peace, you broke bitches. <laughs> the foil Until cover. Day, the, the, the foil cover. Like, how many covers did X Men One have? Um, was it they four? Had the, so the first one was the fold out Jim Lee cover, which I I do have. It's beautiful. Um, I think there were two printings of that one. This is, again, this is not me looking at the screen. It's me talking my head. Um, and then I know there were at least three more covers. There's an incentive cover. It was it was, it was was the first of the, of the big mistakes that they made. Yeah. I mean, industry. yeah, Marvel does start doing this. I mean, this is where they get a little big for their britches and they start, you know, doing things like this. You, you get like 10 covers for a, for, for an issue. Um, I, it, 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 
it goes overboard. You know, I have some foil covers. I'm not going to lie. I do. <laughs> that was the thing. And I remember, you know, people thinking that they were going to blow up like they were like, like baseball cards. And oh, yeah, no, these are like you said, they're going to pay for my uh, kids. Baseball cards is your point of reference. Jesus Christ. Uh, I'm old. What can I say? Um, no, 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 I was talking for them. They're going to be like, this is going to be just like baseball cards. Yeah, yeah. No one's like, word. Well, because more, more prescient reference. Well, the thing, the thing about it, the thing that gets me about it is, it's like you got to remember, you know, at the same time you're having things like, you know, you know, uh, uh, Incredible Hulk at 181 selling big, you know, the first appearance of Wolverine. You having, you're having these, 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 these issues from, from the, from the silver and 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 bronze age, early bronze age, that are becoming collector's edition because again. Distribution of those original issues wasn't as big as it got, and so people didn't understand supply and demand. And we're working out here again. These these are things that are going into like some of they're selling so many. You're going into a third and fourth print, guys. That's not going to be a collector's edition. <laughs> it's just no. not. I mean, and, and even when you look at when you look at the prices of, of some things that that did kind of hold their price, the only uh, there's only a handful I can think of. Like one of them I can think of is um. Uh, um, Ultimate Spider-Man, Ultimate Spider-Man number one, that white cover, um, yeah. still is like a couple hundred dollars. But I believe that's because this is, post-boom. This is also post boom. It's post boom, yeah. And and not only that, but it's also I think because they um they limited they they limited how many copies of that sold. So yeah, if you limit how many copies you're ever going to sell of a certain cover of a, of a limited edition cover, that's one thing. But you can't say this is limited edition and then print out four million copies. You can. Don't destroy your industry. Okay, I'm sorry. Um, and so, uh, Marvel faces ba- followed bankruptcy in 1996. Um, they don't go away. Obviously, they don't stop selling comics. But it was a it was a real question if they were at some point. Um, DC continues. Um, and um, like you said, I mean, things bounce back. I think partly because of. What we see in you, you, a lot of these characters get get new life breathed into them because of what we saw in like live action movies. You know, um, I think that definitely did help regenerate some of the the interest in the characters. But like you said, I think that there was a concerted effort at both Marvel and DC to become houses of ideas and start making the ideas the selling point of the stories they were telling. Right. And 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 like you said, that that ushered us into a new golden age of comic books. And it's so funny to me when I see people talk about comic book sales and oh, comic industry are dying, and oh, you know, you know, comic book, you know, uh, comic book shops are closing because of decisions that Marvel and DC made. I'm like, yeah, in the nineties, nineties, yeah. yeah, you guys all lost your, your comic book shops because the decisions that, and I don't want to just put this on Marvel and DC, the decisions that we all made. To fall into the speculator market of this, because yes. um, we were all we we were all part of the problem. <laughs> we all we still are. We buy, you, you and I both know that when certain things come out, you and I may tell each other that we're buying an incentive cover. Oh, but see, I think that's a different thing because I don't think that's a, to me now. I think that because they still do this, right? You get a new cover and like the hip hop appropriation covers, right? We we bought <laughs> this hip hop covers. We bought them. We 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 like them. I I. But to me, I look at that as nobody's buying those going one day that's going to pay my kids college. We're buying them. And I, and I think that's where the shift became 
like like you said, there was a time when you were buying five or six issues of a comic book and not reading it, but because you were betting on, the, you were looking through your Wizard magazine or your price guide going, maybe the sale of it will go up next week or in 10 years from now, it'll be worth more. You weren't reading that comic book. These <laughs> days, That's we're true. buying these comics and we're buying this incentive covers, but we're also reading and discussing those bo books. Like, yeah, I bought, I, I have a Riri uh, uh, um, uh, variant cover, but I read that book. I'm subscribed to that book. I'm reading that book. Like, you know, we, we're buying these things because they, or we're buying things because they look cool. Maybe we don't read it. Or we're buying it because it's like, you know what? That looks cool, though. I want that. I'm not buying 30 of them. I'm buying one because I want to own it and I want to have it in my house as artwork. I like the way it looks. I think that's where the difference in the shift um, between, what they're doing now is the same thing because you hear people talk about some oh too many events they're doing too many events it's like the events are all tied together now this is not like an event that got this put together this is called the story yeah it's the story this isn't like you're putting together an event because a toy company came to you and said hey we want to sell toys not to point your fingers no nah, yeah, no just just throwing it out there right you know or you know we we, we broke our universe we need to fix it you know this is a this is this is the the event goes to another event because it ties to the previous event. Like these things happen, you know. You know, no justice, uh, 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 justly no justice ties into what the events of uh, dark metal were. Like they're related; right. they come directly there. This isn't. We're just gonna pull something out of our ass and say, "Oh well, this week we're gonna do this because we're hoping that it sells." It's we're coming together. We we have these ideas. We're gonna put it together, and that's what we're gonna do. And maybe we can tie in some other ideas we had before and then build a build a five year to ten year plan of how a whole entire complete story can go. And Great I think example is War of the Realms is finally happening. Right. You know? We've been reading about the War of the Realms since Aaron picked up Thor in two thousand eleven. Yeah, we've been building to that point. So now when you get this new event, it's not new if you've been reading, because you're like Whew, boy, ready for this, you know? The I'm going to be like, fucking finally. Right. And I'm sure if you issue one of like, too fast. Hold on. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm, not ready. I'm not ready for this. I'm not ready for this. I'm not ready for this. You know? <laughs> the Force War, the stuff we're doing within the Flash, you know? These yeah. things, it's like, we've now gotten to the point where it feels, like you say, it goes back to what you were saying before when you were talking about how we've gotten to this new age of you have creators that once were fans and now are the writers creating the stories themselves and learning from the mistakes that the people that they grew up reading have made. So you're right. Yeah, we still see events. We still get these variant covers, but it, it, it feels like a different, it, it, it feels so different, right? It feels so different from this time um, than what we, than what we used to get. And um, yeah, I, um, I, I, I really look forward to seeing what happens over the next 10 to 15 years with this because we're clearly going to get another shift at some point because it's just the way that comic books have gone has been here since like people keep saying oh the death of commas are going away they've been here since the 30s i think they're going to be fine i i think this is an industry that has seen a lot of adjustments mm -hmm. and um i i think they're gonna i i think we're all gonna be fine so um, you got anything else you want to wrap up on this one, man? I know we skipped we skipped over a lot of stuff, and I think the reason for that is, um, the bronze and modern ages, if you will, are basically the ages we grew up on, and I do know that some of these things we're going to be going into much more detail later on this year, probably. So, um, 
I, I skipped over some stuff that I know just come up, and I, I think at some point we we got to do a a DC issue, a DC episode, and a Marvel episode on their own because oh, there's sure. so much. There's just so much. There's so much. There's so much rich history in each one of those companies and what they did uh, from there. But um, you got anything else you want to say about this one? No, I. I this is. It's so funny because I would advise everyone to listen to the rest of our character corners because we talk about the modern age so much because we're such big fans of it and we're able to just say, oh, it doesn't really match with what we grew up on, but yo, know, they're making it better, making it work. Like, I'll talk to you for days about that Red Robin run that ended the previous continuity by Tim with Tim Drake and um, Nikenza and Marcus Toe because I think it's great writing. But you're right. I think that we're back in a, a new golden age. I think this is a place and then a time where... Uh, where 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 our fandom and our love is paying off, and I'm here for it. Absolutely, absolutely. Um. All right. So uh, we just wrap this up. Uh, what uh, next month coming February? We're gonna have Captain. It's gonna be Captain Marvel month. So we're gonna get into everybody in Captain Marvel, ending with uh, Carol Danvers. So because uh, uh, there's a there's a whole section in the book I was listening to on this about the, the terrible way that they've used, uh, they've, they've handled. Oh, have you read this? Oh, so you're going to, have you read this before? Oh no, I, I know that I've read, look, look, okay, look, look, my introduction to, to, uh, Carol Denver, as you would know her as Miss Marvel is the idea of her basically just being, being left over after, uh, Rogue took her powers. Like, <laughs> like I have, I have Avengers uh, annual number ten. You know, so I knew that. I meant, I meant more like her being her own, her, her the mother to her own lover or some shit. Oh no, 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 I knew about that too. And I like oh, it, this is they've treated Carol Danvers and 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 just to, to preface this, cause I see so many dudes going, I hate Carol Danvers, blah, blah blah. You hate Carol Danvers because of the way she was written, you were never supposed to like her. And it wasn't until like she was a non-factor. The reason we love Carol Danvers, and all the people give this writer shit. Thank you, Brian Michael Bendis. Mm-hmm. We'll get to it. Yep. Um, all right. Well, there you guys have it. We, 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 again, it's going to be at least a two-parter. So just stay tuned for that, and uh, we're going to get right into it. And uh, thank you guys very much for listening. And until next time, we're out of here. Peace. <laughs>